0: G'tavach, G'tavach, G'tavach. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful receiving of the Torah, receiving of a piece of God that none of us ever got before. So we, the Torah is more powerful, we're more powerful, when we learn Torah it's more powerful, so this Tanya is going to be more powerful. So tonight's class is dedicated in honor of the birthday of Shein Bracha Tamar And the site today of Shulam, Rachel Bas, Yechil, Nechil, And we are going to, and this should be both a bracha for the birthday and an aliyah for the meshema. We are going to do now four days' worth of Tanya: Friday, Shabbos, and then the two days of Shabbos, Sunday and Monday. So I will try to do it briefly, but of course, Balancing brevity with clarity probably won't be too brief so on Friday and Shabbos we completed chapter 53 which also means we completed the first section of Tanya within the generic broad term Tanya there are actually five separate books Just like we have five books of the Torah We have five books of Tanya the first section, Lekutei Amarim, Shahi Yehovei third section, Geriz HaTshuva, fourth section, Igera and fifth section, Kuntras Achron. So we finished the first and foundational book, the most significant book, is the first one, and the longest. And basic ideas that are developed in that book are the ideas that we think of as like the basic Concepts of Hasidus as it developed in Tanya, the 53 chapters. And not coincidentally, we complete them as our preparation to receiving the Tyra anew, which means we complete it on the eve of Shavuos, and then that was completed on Shabbos and Sunday, we get to Torah. Now we have a new dimension of Taira to continue with. So, what are we talking about in chapter 53? So chapter 53, we're now answering the question we opened up chapter 51 with. If you don't remember, that's fine. But 51, 52, and 53 are like the last subunit in Tanya, in Maru. And we open with this like overarching question of in the Zohar, the Yenuka, the child of the Zohar, when he's giving this parable of keeping God on you, he speaks of the oil the flame, and the wick. The flame is God's presence. The wick is your body, your animal soul. And the oil is your good deeds. And through having constant supply of oil, more good deeds, more good deeds, more good deeds, God's presence, the flame of God, stays attached to the body of man. So our initial question in chapter 51 was, why is the mukha saying oil represents good deeds? Oil always represents chachma, wisdom. That represents good deeds. Why did he decide oil is good deeds? That was our first question. Our second question was, how do we say, oh God is found here or oh, God is found there? Isn't God found everywhere? So in chapter fifty one we developed how our soul resides in our body on three levels as a parallel and easier to understand image. And then we extrapolate it to how God fills creation on roughly three levels. Of course, it became much more complex. And that was the second half of 51 and the entire 52, understanding in sophisticated detail how God vivifies and is found within creation. And then in chapter 53, we said, so also in our physical reality, just as we understand how in every spiritual world, God is found in the holy of holies, the kindest kedoshim of each spiritual world. And where is that holy of holies? In the chachma of that world. Where in the chachma, in the tyra of that world. In every world, there is a place called the Holy of Holies. It's not a physical place. Nothing physical is going on. But it's a spiritual dimension, God's Chochmah, specifically the Torah, within the chachma, the Torah of the world. We said, Asilus is Kabbalah, and Bria is Talmud, and is Mishnah, Halacha, and Asi is Mikra, the the verses of Tanakh. In the Torah, in the Chochmah, that world is the Kajish Kedashim, where God is found the most. So we said also in our physical world we had a physical kedushin, a physical holy of holies, which in which Tyra was found. We had an ark, we have tablets, we have Tyra, and we explained on Thursday how therefore this piece of physical space is not like the rest of this physical world. And actually God circumvented the two lower spiritual worlds, called the Thira and, Asiya, and it went directly from the spiritual to the spiritual Dubria to our physical world, skipping the other two worlds in between. That the godliness should be so much more intense and transparent than in any other physical place. So on Friday we explained that this was all in the first temple. In the second temple, we didn't have this same level of godly energy, though, of course, also here, there still was the idea of a holy of holies, and there still was special godly energy there, and therefore, even in the second temple, only one day a year, on Yom Kippur, the highest, most spiritual Jew, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, could go into the holy of holies and connect to God on that level. That was the time of the second temple. But then that was destroyed. And then our sages said, so where is God found now? Where is the holy of holy that houses him now? Well, that holy of holies is halacha, the study of Jewish law. That when you're learning Jewish law, you're creating a holy of holies in your brain. And you're also creating there a special connection to God through the learning of his Torah. That's specifically through his Torah, he is found there. Oh, so we say on Friday. Now I understand. So when the yunukah in the Zohar, the Yonuka again is the Yonik, the child of the Zohar. When he said, how do you keep God on you? God's a flame. What keeps the flame? What feeds the flame? Oil. And he said the oil is good tea. And we said what the oil always means, God's wisdom, Godly wisdom. Why is he now saying it means good deeds? Well, now we understand that. it's It's about the same thing, meaning the good deeds are mitzvahs, God's commandments, God's divine charges, and those commandments are the practical manifestation of Torah, and Torah, God's will and wisdom, His divine law, is what's found in chachmah. So normally oil always refers to chachmah, and the Anuka is saying oil refers to the good deeds of mitzvahs, and now we realize that's the same thing. Because what's the essence core of Chachma? Torah. And how is Torah expressed? In mitzvahs. So when I'm doing all those mitzvahs, I'm accessing the Chachma. It's the same thing. Which means I am making myself a miniature holy of holies. Just as we said in every spiritual world, where is God found? In the Torah of that world. In the Chachma within which? In the Torah. In our physical world, where was God found? And there was a physical structure in a room of Tyra. And that, when I do have that physical structure, where is God found? In the Tyra, in my brain, in my lips. that I immerse myself in his Tyra, in his holy of holies. That's what my brain becomes, his holy of holy. And then there but ends with this beautiful metaphor here that we can envision that as a person has a candle and there's a wick and there's a flame and the flame is staying on the wick because of the oil. But gradually, as that flame stays on the wick, it starts charring away the wick as the flame continues to be on the wick because of the oil. And the Rebbe said, that's us. Because as we have this flame, that's it's very interesting, because in chapter 35, when we first bring this parable from the Yunuka of the Zahar, we don't mention the godly soul at all. It's all about your body, animal, soul, slash, affected by... God's flame through your good deeds. And now we're broadening and deepening it that the good deeds, because the good deeds express the Torah, express the Chachmah, but now we also bring in a very important dimension that we totally didn't mention in chapter 35, your godly soul. And the is saying here, it's really a cyclical process that as you do the mitzvahs, the good deeds, the oil, reflecting the Torah, reflecting the Chachmah, this brings God down on your body, animal, soul. And as God is found in your body, animal, soul, just like the flame chars away the wick. God's flame chars away the impurities of your body and animal soul, transforming darkness to light, bitterness to sweet, if you're very holy. And if you're not as holy, at least transforming or destroying the negativity of the practical expressions of your energies, your thought, your speech, and your deed moving them from a state of evil to a state of godliness. So here I have the transformation of my animal soul or the crushing of the negativity of my animal soul through God's presence charring away the wick of the animal soul and body. This gets sent up as God's greatest gift. There's nothing that gives God more pleasure than transformed evil energies. What's a present for God? For godliness, he has a lot of godliness transforming evil, wow, that's a pleasure. So what greater gift do I give for God than when through doing the mitzvahs I bring the flame of God on the wick of man, on the wick of my body and animal soul, and the flame of God on the wick of man burns away the impurities of my body and animal soul, either transforms them or at least crushes and subdues the evil in them, and this gets sent up as my gift of God. The transformed or crushed evil is my most pleasurable gift. And when this gift gets sent up to God, God responds with more energy that comes down in my godly soul. And this is the process. And then with more in my godly soul, I'm going to learn more and do more mitzvahs, which will bring the flame of God more on my body and animal soul which will crush or subdue the evil of my body and my animal soul, which will send up to God this gift of crushed or transformed evil, which will cause more godliness to come down and see my godless soul. And so continues the process of bit by bit, charring away my impurities and bringing more and more godliness to my life. And thus concludes the first book of the five books of Tanya, 53 chapters worth, Bukutte learn. And we concluded that on Shabbos. before we receive the Torah anew on Sunday. On Sunday, when God gave us the Torah, he gave us a piece of himself. It was very interesting. I actually learned in a Hasidic discourse over Shavuos, which I probably learned before, but every time like he pays more attention or picks more things, we always say, we say it many times in Tanya, Tyra and God are absolutely one. The Bible says, when did Tyra and God become one? By Matan When we receive the Tyra, God gave us the Tyra, that's when God put himself in the Tyra and gave us the Tyra he gave us himself. And every year, this year for time, 3,328, we get a piece of himself that we never got before. So on Sunday, we got a new piece of Tyra, got a new piece of God, and we begin a new section of Tanya with more strength because more of God is invested in Tanya than ever was before. So on Sunday, we began the introduction to the second book of Tanya. The second book of Tanya is called Shar HaYichel Lehemunah. It talks all about our basic belief in God and understanding creation, and understanding God and creation. And the introduction to that is what we learned on Sunday. So to summarize that, the Rebbe says, There's a verse. Educate the youth according to his way so when he's old, he won't stray from it. So the question is, what do you mean according to his way? If it's not the true path, what are we bothering to do this for? And if it's not the true path, what do we care that when he's old he won't leave it? It's not true anyway. So that explains that basically there are two types of love of God. There's enormous, passionate, spiritual love which comes to a person who's very, very refined and learns lots of Torah and does many, many, many mitzvahs and receives as a gift, so to speak, that you work for through all of your refinement and Torah and mitzvahs, this enormously powerful spiritual love. And then there's a second love, which comes by proactively creating, and it's a much simpler love for the common man, that when we think certain basic ideas, we create a love for God. One basic idea we think about is that God's my life. And just as I love life and my strongest desire is a desire for life, God's my life. And therefore I have this relationship with him. Also, I could think, I think, how God personally came to Egypt, the most impure place in the world, to pull us out because he loves us so, so much Again, he could have done it through another emissary, perhaps. Perhaps not. Perhaps, yes. But he came personally because he has such, such love for us. So when I think of that and I think of the enormous love God has for me, love evokes love, I feel such love for him. So I think of God as my life and I desire life. I desire God. I think of all of God's love for me. When I think of God's love for me, I create naturally a love for him. So a person can create this love. This is a created love, meaning the first higher love, you refine yourself. You learn lots of Torah. You do many mitzvahs, and you access this very high spiritual relationship. This second love, you create. You think certain thoughts specifically to create a feeling for God. And therefore, this love we're commanded to create. A person could say, how could you command me an emotion? I mean, what, turn on a light switch and feel? But we can command this emotion because this is a lot that practically you create. You think and think of, think of how God is truly your life. And you desire life. You desire God. You think of how in so many ways God loves you and shows his love for you to create a natural response of your love for him. Now, we have a person who's very holy and progressing from level to level as all of us have to progress from level to level. And what happens is when you move from level to level in between your previous level and your Upcoming level, you're like a bit in nowhere's land. Meaning if you think of the rungs of a ladder and you passed rung 14, but you didn't yet access 15, you're almost like in a fallen state between where you were and where you're supposed to be, where you're accessing. And in that fallen state, you sort of lose the high spiritual energies that you're used to having now in your very high spiritual state. But right now, you're not anywhere. So you're sort of like in a fallen state. So You don't have those high spiritual energies. So what's going to happen? Here's a very holy person who feels generally this very high love. But right now, he's not here and not there. So he's not in a very holy space right now. He's sort of in between. He's in a limbo zone. So that high spiritual love he doesn't have right now. So what does he have to fall back on? This love, this second love that we discussed that he created in his youth, which is not the ultimate love. The ultimate love is the love when you're refined and you pray and you learn and you do lots of good deeds. That's an ultimate love. But this love of his youth, when he had to work just to create a love, he has it inside of him forever. He created in his youth it's a part of him. So even when you are fallen and you don't have your higher energies, you can fall back to your youth relationship with God that you created a love for God because he's my life and a love for God because he loves me so much. And thus, even when you're fallen, you still have a strong love for God to keep you going until you reach that higher rung you're trying to ascend to, and then you can go back to your higher tzaddik-like love for God. Which leads us, this is all to introduce, because this leads us to say, so how do I create that basic foundational love? that even when I'm fallen, I can always fall back on that one. But one of the very important foundations of that love is developing our, our belief in God, our pure belief in God in his oneness, in his unity, in his unchangingness. And therefore, let's learn about that. And thus we begin Shahi Yifu which teaches us the basics of our pure belief in the oneness, unchanging reality of God. And that's today's Tanya. And today's Tanya, of course, is Monday, so it's not usually a chapter, but it's also Shavuot, so I guess it was a chapter. So it's the first chapter of Shara HaYehovei And we are going to learn in Shara a little bit, which means the gate of the unification and belief in God. We're going to learn a little bit, what does this mean in the Zohar, when it says the verse, Shema Yisrael, O Israel, is the supernal unification, Yichud Ilaha. And the second verse that we say after is in Shema, bless place of God and his sovereignty forever, is the lower unification, Yehud Teta. We're going to learn a little bit about that. So in chapter 1, we begin with a verse. You should know today, keep to your heart that God is God, in the heavens above and the earth below there is none but him. So the writer says, would we really think there's something else? Do we really think there's some sea creature in the water that's God? I have to so warn myself, don't don't think there's anything else but God. No sea creatures are God, no big flying birds are God. I, I would think that. I would think that. <laughs> that's not exactly what it means. It says that always the word of God stands forever, because God's words are the words of creation. There are actually quotes of Al here who was nostalgic, who passed away on Shavuos which is why he's bringing in the Baal Shem Tov as a source for this concept, that creation is a series of words. We know in and Genesis, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, ten times. There are ten creative utterances. And with those ten utterances, creation happened, which means creation is a formation of words because every word, every letter is an evolution of a very, very specific godly energy. And God is constantly saying those words again and again and again. Meaning, if God desire to destroy something in this world, all he has to do is stop saying it into existence and it would cease to exist. Because creation, physicality, is an oxymoron. All of reality is, is, is godliness. is varying levels of spirituality. How do you take spirituality and squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it and then it becomes physical? That makes no sense. How does physical come from spiritual? It doesn't, but it does. So it's a constant reinvesting of God's energies to create this thing that makes no sense called physicality. So therefore, to cease physicality's existence, just stop revivifying it. So God constantly vivifies it. He says again and again and again. He's constantly speaking the words of creation's existence. Now, a person could say, well, I see this rock here. I don't remember in any of the ten utterances of creation. I don't remember in Genesis anywhere God saying, let there be rocks. So how is this rock existing? If it's all from his words. So the Rebbe explains that those ten utterances are comprised of words, that are comprised of letters. And those letters evolve through numerical equivalencies, through all different techniques that there's an evolution of the letters from letter to letter, to various formations, from formation to formation to formation to formation, to actually from those letters form a word called evan, which is a word in the holy tongue for stone. And that word evan is truly the life energy of that stone. And that word evan is constantly being re-said every second as God constantly re-utters those ten statements. Because the evan is an evolution from those ten statements. And so it is with absolutely everything in our physical world. Everything in our physical world is some evolution from some formations of letters from those ten statements. And that is how existence is every single second. And that was, in pretty great brevity, four days' worth of Tanya, good We should have more power now to learn Tyra and there's definitely more power in Tyra now. So we should use it and see more great changes in our world.